Hey everyone, my name is Brian Minerly. And you are listening to the Epic Narrative. I know my voice is not typically the one you hear at the beginning of these episodes. Um, forgive me for intruding. Uh, I'm uh, I'm the resident geek here at the Epic Narrative. Uh, I'm if you've watched the Tom Holland Spider movies, I'm Bob's guy in the chair. Um, the voice that you normally hear at the beginning is Anna McEwen, Bob's uh, lovely daughter, introing him, and then Bob continues with the uh, story of the season. Uh, this season being Exodus. Uh, but we've been talking over here at the Epic Narrative. And uh, we noticed uh, the past two seasons, during the holiday season, we noticed that uh, that listeners dip a little bit and then usually pick back up uh, in January and February and play catch up on the story. But that's a lot of story to catch up on. And we were thinking, how can we honor the fact that people are spending time with their families during the holidays or investing in their communities and, and outreach programs and just loving on people and uh, doing what matters most, honestly? Um how could we partner with them? And we thought, uh, why don't we take a break from the story? We still want to put out a weekly podcast, but we've been sitting on some bonus episodes of some sermons that Bob's given over the years, and uh, we wanted to share them as bonus episodes anyway. So why don't we take the month of December into January? Let's release these sermons as bonus episodes so that people can spend time with their families and not feel like they have to play catch up uh, in January and February uh, when they have time to listen to the epic narrative again. So if you're able to listen every week, you're able to still get some great story-driven Bob Switzer content that we've all come to know and love. Uh, but if you miss a week, then at least you're not falling behind in the story. And um, we just uh, pray that you all have a wonderful holiday season and a safe one. And uh, let's uh, let's get started with the first bonus episode. Uh, so as Anna usually says, here's Bob Switzer. man so today i wanted to um i wanted to look at psalm 23 and i actually argued not argued but i talked with the lord about this because it, it was on my heart immediately and i just kind of i was like are you sure like that's like that's been done like a million times and he's like actually more than that <laughs> i was like well you would know and <laughs> I love having conversations with him because he knows how to communicate with me really well. So we went back and forth back a little bit, and finally he was like, uh, I, don't, I don't think you've ever done it. I was like, well, that's true. And then I ignored him for a little bit, and it still kept coming up. So we're going to start there because I know better than to ignore him for too long. <laughs> but uh, Psalm 23, so I, I, this was seared in my heart uh, in the King James it just because at the time, I came from a religious world in which that was the only Bible that Paul wrote. So, <laughs> yes, I don't know how Paul got credit for writing the King James, but that's what we believe. <laughs> Even the Old Testament, Paul wrote it in King James. It's just the way it was. And, and now, we weren't the crazy religious people that went with the 1611 version. Those were, the be- those were crazy people. We, we were the true believers that went with just the regular one and uh 
And so that's what was seared into my heart. But I, I copied out the New Living Translation. I, I, re, I mean, I read a lot of them. The Passion Translation's amazing. It's, it, you know, so I'm not here to tell you what one's right or wrong. That's, that's not my point. I just want you to know, I may slip into different versions while I'm talking, and I don't mean to confuse you because I'm confused too. So it's just the way it is. They're all good, honestly. They're all good. So, you know, the, and, and, and when, you know, when this thing was written is, is up for grabs. So this is the one I grab. I think, I think this was written after David was anointed uh, king of Israel. And, and if you remember, we, we, I dealt with this during, uh, I think, on Mother's Day last year, but uh, David was, I think it's really clear that David was rejected by his father and by his brothers. I don't think they, I don't think he was too busy to come to the anointing by Samuel. I don't think that, I don't think Jesse wanted to admit that he was his son. And when Samuel called for him, and he anointed him, and he said, he said, Jesse, this is your son, David. Jesse's response, Jesse had an opportunity to respond to that. He had an opportunity to bring David into the family, so to speak, and to receive him as his own. And when Samuel left the city, he sends David back out into the field. He's like, I don't, it's still, I, no, I'm not doing this. Any other family, now remember, David, it, Jesse's got seven sons. Any other family that had a son anointed the next king of, of Israel would have started to put together a plan. Jesse was, a, was a, somebody who had authority in that village. Jesse was clearly blessed of God according to the culture because he had seven sons. Any other family would have started a political move right then. They would have said, all right, everybody, we're all sons. We're lining up behind David. I want you to get your families. I want, you, I want to reach out to every tribe that we're friends with. I want you to get every clan on board because when the time comes for David to ascend the throne, we want to make sure that there are thousands of people to support him so that Saul doesn't come up against us with an army. I want the army convinced. Trust me, Jesse had the political clout to do this. He had the in interactions and in, in relational connections across the country. People knew who this guy was. But he did nothing. He sent David out to the field. You go back to where you belong. So I think when David starts to write this psalm, I don't think I don't necessarily think David's David's depressed. I I I I have trouble with that because I don't think it's in the psalm. But but he's going to the only source he knows. He's like, Lord, you're my shepherd. You're more than I need. Why? Because everything he should have been getting from his family wasn't there. Lord, you're my shepherd. What does that mean? Well, David knew what a good shepherd was. A good shepherd protects. He's a, I mean, a fierce warrior. I'm, I, 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 I would like to think I would be a good shepherd. I really, really do. And then you put me alone in the dark. <laughs> and I, I just, my imagination just explodes. It's like this big canvas. And there's lots of things to color. And then you throw in noises. And I just can't put it together anymore. My brain just starts exploding. 
I'd be whipping the rod around it. I'd be just swinging at stuff out there. I don't know what I'd do. A shepherd was an amazing warrior who kept his calm all through the night, who could wake up almost, honestly, very similar to a mom, okay? They'd hear a noise. They, moms know, right? They hear, they, hear, they hear certain gurgling noises, and they know everything's fine with the baby, and they go right back to sleep. But man, if there's just that slight misrhythm, and it's like, doing, and they wait, and they hear it again, and they're boom, right at the crib. Why? Because they're just, they are in tune with what's right and what's not right. The shepherd was like that. They're constantly in tune with all the noises and atmospheres around their sheep. They know what's supposed to happen, when, when it's supposed to happen, when it's not supposed to happen. Oh, man, he, he's like, Lord, you're my shepherd. You're the one who cares for me. You're, honestly, you're more than I need. You're more than I want. You got it all. And he goes on. You, uh, I'm, re, I'm hearing it in my head and reading it different. Sorry. So he, he lets me rest in the green meadows. He leads me beside the peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. This is, this is, ah, this is good. So you lead me, be, uh, you know, beside the still waters, you, 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 you bring me into the fields, you, you show me where to walk. What are all those places? Those are all places of nourishment, places of rest. You restore my soul. Wow. Now, when, when I was, when I was, okay, let me put it this way. The way I received the teaching on Psalm 23 when I was a kid, I, I, don't, I don't want to doubt what people might have said. I just know, like, when you have judgments against yourself, like, you pick up stuff, right? You, you filter everything through. So I, I, I still bump into this once in a while still, but I, I had this huge deal that I was, I was not the sharpest knife in the, in the drawer. I just, I dealt with that judgment that I was stupid. Now, I did that to me. My parents didn't do that to me. Uh, my sister didn't do that. To, well, maybe she might have called me stupid brother once in a while, but I, I did, you know, she's awesome. I love my sister. But uh, I, so this was, this was a filter. So what I kept hearing whenever somebody would teach the book of Psalm 23 is, is I would hear that we're compared to sheep because sheep are the stupidest animals and if they're, if they're not shepherded, right, they would just walk off the planet and die. So, so this is what I kept hearing, right? Like God has to lead you to the green grass because you wouldn't find it on your own. That's, that's why. You bring me to the still waters because you would, you would thirst to death if he didn't, like, shove your face in a pool. That's... <laughs> That's what I grew up thinking, so I'm just, that's not what I'm preaching, just in case you're out there with the same filter I this is This is what I see, is that these are places where, these are places where you are renewed, where you're nourished, where you're able to rest. And rest doesn't mean that you do nothing. It means you do what you can and you leave the rest to God. Like, you need to trust him with everything. Like, I picture David out there going, God, I... This is it. 
Like, I, you're all I got. I don't have a plan to get from the pasture to the palace, bless God. Now, do that good? It just came to me. And the pastor to the palace. New message next week. No. <laughs> I don't have a plan to get there. But you'll guide me. I will follow your steps. Your path of righteousness is the one I'm going to follow. I'll do what I'm... I'm out here shepherding sheep. That's all I got. I cannot manipulate my way into this. I don't have... Seven brothers who are going to help, help me get there. I don't have a father who's going to use his political connections to, to build a support base so that I can make a move to the, to the throne when you open the door. I, all I got is you. I'm going to follow your steps because, because that's the only way I'm going to get from here to there. Now, following your, your steps, you know, I, 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 I used to love doing this. I used to love following the steps of my dad in the snow. He had these boots. I don't know. He called them Mickey Mouse boots. He got, I think they were from the army or something. They did kind of look like mouse feet. Anyways, they're big rubber boots. He'd go walking through the woods. And of course, for him, it was no big deal because he was tall. And I was, but for me, I put on my rubber boots and then I'd try and follow him. And I'd try and, you know, I'd try and get the same step that he stepped. And then I'd, I'd try and step again. And I'd follow him all the way through the woods which seemed like for miles, it was probably like 50 feet. But I, man, I was, this was huge. And I kept thinking in my head as I looked back, I have the same footprint as my dad. Right? So, so prophetic. I didn't even know I was being prophetic. <laughs> I didn't even know. But this is it, right? We're, we are stepping where God steps. We're going to follow him. Not because we're ignorant, but because he's got the best plan. He's like, for your name's sake. What does that mean? I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to follow your path because I'm going to become just like you. I'm your son. That's, what's, that's what the, the, the green pastures and the still waters to, re to restore our soul, to renew what's there, what has already been there. We're restoring what's already been there, what he put in us to begin with, our identity, our destiny. David was called out by Samuel, the prophet. David's basically saying, I trust what the prophecy says. I'm going to be the next king of Israel. I got no clue how to get there. I'm going to follow your steps. For your namesake, I'm going to bring honor to your name by being your child. You know, some people get, get a little, little freaked out when you start thinking, of, when they start talking about like, well, you can't share in the glory of God. You can't take his glory. I'm thinking, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can't take his glory. He gave it to me. I can't, I can't take what he gave me. I'm his child. I bring him glory every time I get complimented. Right? Listen, when my, <laughs> I, heard, I heard Stephen and Kayla were up here last, last week, right? I didn't think, oh, well, man, I hope they didn't steal my glory. <laughs> I was proud. I was like, really? That's awesome. I think he's awesome. 
I think she's awesome. I think the same thing, my son came from Detroit, right? He preaches once a month out there. He's got, you know, he teaches uh, with his wife in, in Sunday school. They, they got all this. I'm, I'm proud of him. I don't think, well, son, don't steal my glory. When I come out there, I don't want people to only think of you. I want them to think of me. No. No, I'm proud. Man, that's honestly, that's what... Daryl and Lynn are not stealing the glory of God by being here for 30 years. When we celebrate them next week, trust me, God's not going to be a little, little miffed. Like, <laughs> hey, if it wasn't for me. No, he's going to be like, yeah, love those guys. <laughs> yeah, he restores our soul. He restores our soul. Then he says, uh, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. <laughs> Such a great line. I like it in the King James. Here it says, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me and protect me. This is, uh, what, what I see here is this. We, we don't deny that the shadow land exists. I know, I know that that you've heard, you know, Daryl say it. We talk about, you know, people that, that live in the dark night of the soul, that live in the desert place, in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. It's a tough place to live. You don't actually have to stay there. And I think that's what, that's what I see here. He's like, listen, I, I know, I'm going to walk through these shadow lands. I know there will be people dark places that are going to try and steal my destiny, that are going to try and put me in a place where I can't see the path in front of me, where I'm not going to know where I'm going. But your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What does comfort do? It means it eliminates fear. That's what love does. It drives fear away. I was growing up, the rod and the staff were, well, the, the rod was for beatings, right? Right? Shepherd had to smack me once in a while because I was disobedient little lamb. And then the staff, I think the staff was a part with a crook or something, right? And that was because I was, I was running off the cliff all the time and he had to reach down and pull me back up. Idiot, get up here. I'm going to break your leg and put you around my neck so that, so that I can reset it and you're going to smell me and become united, united with me and you'll never leave my side again. That's, that's, that's what I grew up with. In the context of this verse, it can't, it can't be true. We're in the valley of the shadow of death. We're in the valley. The rod and the staff are bringing me comfort because I know who he is. He's my shepherd. And everything that's trying to create fear in me, that's trying to distract me from the journey of my destiny, that's trying to take my identity from me, I, the rod and the staff are protecting that for me. I may not see where we're going, but I can trust the guy who's leading. And I'm not following him because I'm, I'm an idiot. I'm following him because I'm wise. I'm following him because he's leading me through this valley. Listen, I, our journey to Faith Worship Center, if Generally speaking, I tell people it was it was it was a dark it was the darkest time of my life. It just was for about until I, I had no clue where I was going. It was dark, but every day 
my goal was connect with God, get to his presence, find the joy, and ask for one more step, one more step. That was all I needed, one more step. It was, I had no idea. I, every day I got a step. I still had no idea where we were going. I had no answers. I'd meet for people with coffee. They'd be like, Bob, how are you doing? I'd be like, um, I, I'm doing good. And then they would rehearse to me why I, would, why I shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Really? Because they said this about you. This is your reputation's being torn down over here. They, they left you without this. They're leaving you with this. They're burdening you with this. You're going to be without all of that. Like all your resources are just, do you understand how bad it is? And I'd be like, oh, yes. Why? My focus wasn't there. I knew, I, I knew it was bad. I knew. I did, but my focus was on the shepherd. He was the only one that I could trust. So when we, when we kind of shoot down the concepts of, of the dark night of the soul and the desert place of, the, of your spirit, it's not that we don't think that, they, that, that you go through tough times. We do. And Daryl and Lynn, you know, right? If you've been here for 30 years, you know they have been very authentic on their journey. It has not been all roses, but it has been all good because they've stuck with the shepherd. And that's what I did, just stuck with the shepherd. So much so I didn't even know I was in the valley half the time. I had to be reminded. It's always nice to have good friends like that, you know? <laughs> how bad is it? Oh, just let me, let me tell you how bad it is, Bob. <laughs> the rod and the staff of God are there to drive out fear, not to beat you. There's no need to get stressed out when you're in the valley. You ever met people who like to be stressed? Yeah, they like create it. And then they want you to join them in order to know whether or not you really care, right? Are you going to worry about this as much as I am? And this is where, this is where right, we have, to, we, have to, we have to walk with them and be able to say, well, no, but that doesn't mean I didn't hear you. I'm going to bring you hope because that's the way to get out of this valley. If you don't want to listen, that's your choice. But I mean, I've, I've sat with, I've sat in, 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 I've been in homes. I shouldn't say family, but it has been family. But I, I've, I've been in homes where every person that comes in has to have a worse opportunity to be stressed out than the person who just came in because they want everybody there to remember that, hey, hey, look at me. My life is stressed. And they go on and on. And I, I listen to what's going on. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, none of this is actually happening. This is all potential. This is all like this is all a possibility. If 50 things come into alignment, you might have this problem. But we're all going to sit here and listen to it because you've decided that's the best stress thing you can deal with right now. Because if you don't have stress, then clearly nobody else cares. It's like, wow, dude, you got to get out of the valley. You got to find a shepherd. You got to get some hope. You got to get the rod and staff of God to comfort you and carry you out of here. Don't stay in the valley. Don't stay in the valley. You don't have to. Because what? Oh, man, the next verse. 
You prepare a feast before me in the presence of my enemy. You honor me with anointing my head with oil. And my cup overflows with blessing. Man, banquets. Oh. oh, most of us probably had a banquet sometime this week. Banquets are ridiculous amounts of food. It's abundance. That's the whole concept, right? It just is. We, Thanksgiving is awesome. We're, but honestly, I mean, we, uh, Anna and Mitch did our dinner, okay? We hosted it at the house, but they, they did the dinner. They wanted a fresh turkey, so... They bought one from a farm. It, you know, they, the place killed it like three hours before Anna showed up. She brought this bloody thing back. <laughs> of course, you don't know how much this thing is going to weigh until it's actually dead. It was 25 pounds. Yeah, there's eight of us at dinner. <laughs> That's like more than a pound a person. That's more than two pounds. That's a lot of bird. It's a lot of bird. We're still eating this bird. Trust me. But it was abundant. There was just food everywhere. That, it was crazy. And honestly, Mitch is, man, what a, what a chef. He works at the Groton Inn. Oh, my gosh. I don't even, I can't even describe. I don't even know what the guy does to uh, Brussels sprouts, but you eat them like candy. I don't even know what's on them. I just eat them. They're so good. Banquets, abundance of what? Of food, of people. You don't have a banquet by yourself. That's called a TV dinner. <laughs> That is not a banquet. Even if it's a large plate, it's not a banquet. You've got to have a lot of people. It's got to be the family, family, food, fellowship, fun, laughter, stories. Banquets are a blast. And where is this banquet taking place? In the presence of my enemy. Why? So he can see it. You know how depressed an enemy gets when it's clear you could care less if they're there? Right? What does an enemy always try and do? He wants to cut off your resources so you start to close in. God's like, yeah, mm, not going to worry about that. Here's a banquet. Eat up. Party on. Enjoy the ride. You want more? Let me fill your cup till it overflows. You don't have to ration what God pours out. It just keeps on pouring, man. You just keep drinking it. Just keep drinking it. Just keep drinking. Another, another toast. <laughs> another toast. You anoint my head with oil. I know that there's a lot of prophetic things for oil. Let me just, I don't have time. Just, just know it's a good thing. You're going to smell good when it's done. You're going to smell good. You're going to feel good. Your skin's going to be so soft. Even I like that sometimes. You know, I, I steal some of my wife's product, <laughs> put it on my wrinkles. I mean, sorry, I put it on my smile lines. <laughs> woo, woo. I look so good. Ray's like, of course I do. Yeah, thank you, Ray. You look good too, my friend. Yeah, banquets are a great thing. You know what also, 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 banquets were often done after a victory. You'd have a banquet right there on the battlefield. Why? To just make sure the enemy knew 
that all of their resources now belong to you. And there was nothing they could do to stop you. You have any idea how powerful that is? When you feel the enemy all around, you just kick back and say, hey, Lord, I'd like a banquet. I'd like a banquet. I want to sit here. I want to feast on what? On things that bring me life. What is that? Who you really are. Remind me who I really am, God. I'm just going to keep eating that. Remind me of hope. You can find one stream of hope. Just, just chew that, bad boy. Just keep shoving that in your face like sweet potatoes. Just, just keep saying, I've got more. I'm going to chew on this till something else, till another plate gets passed. I don't care. You find it. You eat at that banquet. You find other people to join you at that banquet. This is a good, this is a good thing. And then he says, then he lists off some things that are available to you in this day and forever. Your goodness, your mercy, your unfailing love, and the house of the Lord are available to you forever. Forever. Every day. You realize his goodness and mercy pursues you. So that means even if you're running, you can't outrun it. That means if you show up somewhere and you're like, Oh, God's goodness didn't make it. Turn around. <laughs> Turn around. So good. That gorgeous thing is right there. Boom. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't, doesn't ever leave. Pursue you. It'd, it'll dog you. You can't outrun the goodness of God. You can say, oh, but the, <laughs> it's bad out here. Yeah, just turn around. It's right there. His goodness overrides everything, overrides everything. It doesn't mean that everything else doesn't exist. It just means it overrides it. It comes in on top of it. It gives a better perspective. Wow, I'm telling you. David's out there in the fields just having a great time. His brothers are thinking, his, his brothers are thinking, well, taught him a lesson. We don't care what Samuel has to say. His dad's like, yeah, I don't, I mean, if you remember, it, was, it really was the birth of David that, that's in question here, right? Jesse didn't, didn't, wasn't convinced that David was really his child. The brothers weren't convinced that David was really their brother. They rejected him. He's out there in the middle of the field having a great time because he knows the only person he needs is the good shepherd, and everything else will fall into line. It doesn't mean that David was an isolationist. He wasn't. But when he was alone, he still wasn't alone. And there's a difference. There's a difference. He never felt alone because he always had someone to talk to because the goodness and mercy of God pursued him. It was awesome. So, Psalm 23. What I wanted to get to was John 10, where God's, <laughs> Jesus says, when Jesus is talking about his, himself as a good shepherd, everyone knows what he's referring to. He's referring to, the, to the, the Psalm of David. All the description of Psalm 23, which is magnificent. Honestly, every time I, I go through the Psalm 23, I keep thinking, how is this, how is this in the Old Testament? How is he talking about this kind of a close, intimate, relational connection with God and Holy Spirit, but he didn't even know Jesus? 
his connection to heaven was so intense, so intense even at this time in his life, that he was pulling the New Testament into the Old Testament, into the Old Covenant. I, honestly, I, I cannot explain it. It is mysterious to me. David had, had a mysterious connection to heaven. It was, it's awesome what he was able to do, which just encourages all of us that we can all do crazy things if we just stay in the presence of God, because that's really what that last verse is all about, just the presence of God, presence of God, presence of God, presence of God. This is what's available all the time. Jesus says this in, in, in chapter 10 of, of John. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice, and they come to him, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out, and he is, has gathered his own flock. He walks ahead of them. They follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They'll run from them because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration had no idea what he was talking about. I'm glad. I'm glad. He continued to explain it because sometimes he does it. <laughs> If you read, sometimes he does parables and it says people were confused and he just nods and lets them stay there. It's kind of funny. So he explains it to him. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers. Well, that was subtle. All. You mean, yep, everyone. So, yep, him too. Everybody. Now, if. If I had time, I, I explained. But he's talking to the Pharisees who were upset because chapter 9, he healed the blind man with the mud, and then the blind man got rejected by his family and then got rejected by the, by the religious leaders and ended up by himself out by the, with the other rejects out at the well. And then Jesus showed back up, and he was like, hey, what happened to you? And he's like, oh, man, it was awesome. I got healed of blind. And Jesus is like, well, who did that? He goes, I don't know. I didn't see him. And Jesus is like, oh, that would be me. And the guy's like, whoa! And he worships Jesus. And the Pharisees are like, wait a minute. This is bad. Jesus is like, let me tell you a story. I'm the good shepherd. They're all like, oh, uh, uh, you mean you're the, you're, are you claiming to, yes. Let me, let me explain it to you. I'm the gate. I'm the shepherd. All who came before me were thieves and robbers. The true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who came in through me will be saved. Those who go, come, and they will come and go freely and find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. That's who Jesus is. He's come to give you a rich and satisfying life. What does that mean? It means you're, he is everything you want. You are my shepherd. I have everything I want. You're my fierce protector. You're my warrior. You're my pastor. You're my guide. You feed me identity and destiny, and you make the ways right. You, you straighten that path out. I follow you in the paths of righteousness. For your namesake, I bring honor to your name by just following your lead and direction because you give me all that I am in order to be your son, in order to behave and, and, and interact with the world the way that you do.
Anybody who comes into my life that tries to steal, kill, or destroy my identity is not of the good shepherd. Anyone. And when, and when you, you, know, you know when you're with the wrong, when you're listening to the wrong voice. You know this when the voice is taking from you life. When it's stealing from you destiny and identity. When it's hijacking the direction that God's put on your life. That's a voice that you don't follow. And Jesus says, you're going to know. My sheep will know. They listen to me. They hear me. They know who I am. And if you, just in case, just in case you happen to get swept up in a voice that's stealing life from you, you'll know because something bad will happen and they're just going to leave. Whoosh, disappear. Because they're not real shepherds. They're just in it for the money. They're just in it for what they can get out of it, what they can draw from you. They're drawing from you. Jesus says, but then I'm here, and I've come to bring you life, abundant life. I've come to make you a banquet in the middle of your enemies. That you can, that's fine, you, you can clap at, you can have a good time at. God says, all that you need, I got. Everything you need is here. I love that he doesn't ever leave us. He doesn't, he doesn't say, well, all right, so you listen to the wrong voice. See ya. No, he just pursues. His voice always calls. He's always ready to bring us life and bring it more abundantly. He's a good shepherd. He's a really good shepherd. And because... He's a good shepherd. And because of the way he was described by David and the relationship that David had with the Holy Spirit of God was just phenomenal. For me, it makes perfect sense that when Christ was born, he announced it to the shepherds first. He showed up and he was like, okay, who do I tell? Who do I tell? Oh, I know just the guys. They love to party. They have so much fun out there. And he shows up, and the, the, you know, the, the, the screen of heaven is just ripped open. And the angels are just shouting, Woo! Or maybe it was holy or something, I don't know. Yeah, to me, it just makes perfect sense. Like, this is who I am. I'm the Good Shepherd. So, Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs>